Teachers, have you ever witnessed the spark in a child's eyes when they're captivated by a story that you're reading to them? Or do you yourself remember the warmth and the connection that blossomed when a teacher shared their favorite book with you? How can we harness this incredible potential of read-alouds to help cultivate a love of learning in our students? Welcome, educators, to another episode inside the Literacy Lounge. Today, we're going to be diving into the world of literacy and specifically the transformative power of read-alouds in the classroom. I'm your host, Sierra Harris, and we've got a fantastic guest with us today who is a true advocate for the magic that happens when books come to life. To guide us through this discussion, I am so excited to have Sarah Susie from The Colorful Apple joining us today. Sarah is not just a curriculum designer, she's a picture book enthusiast with a passion for elementary reading that is absolutely contagious. Picture this, a dedicated educator who firmly believes in the untapped potential of read-alouds to transcend traditional subject boundaries. That is Sarah. She is a good friend of mine, and I am so excited to have her on the podcast with us today. And Sarah's expertise truly lies in helping teachers just like you integrate picture books seamlessly into their everyday teaching practices. Her mantra, the power of using books to teach content across the curriculum. Through her platform, The Colorful Apple, Sarah equips elementary teachers with the knowledge, resources, and confidence needed to inspire a generation of empowered readers. So get ready to explore the vibrant world of read-alouds with our special guest, Sarah Susie from The Colorful Apple. Teaching skills like reading comprehension doesn't have to be overwhelming. With the right tools and strategies in place, you can find success for you and your students. Step into The Literacy Lounge, the podcast that will give you the what, why, and how to elevate your literacy instruction and get the results you've always wanted. Here's your host and veteran elementary school teacher, Sierra Harris. Hey, so before we begin, I have put together an amazing game for us to play in the month of January. January is such a fun month because it's new, fresh new year has started. We're all very ambitious and excited about the opportunity and new things to come. So with that, I've put together an opportunity for you to win a $250 shopping spree inside my resource shop. So that means resources for days. So here is the info. I've put together a super fun tic-tac-toe board game that you can head to my website and download. And on the board game are just some super fun little things that you can do to help understand and support the podcast a little bit more. So on the tic-tac-toe board, you'll see that there are different podcast episodes that you can listen to, little tasks like leave a rating, leave a review, follow the podcast, little things like that that take literally two minutes or listening to a podcast, which, you know, could take, you know, a drive to or from work or, you know, while you're doing dishes or cooking, things like that. So by getting three in a row, which of course, tic-tac-toe, you can then enter to win your chance at a $250 shopping spree inside my TPT store. So you will head to sierraharristeaching.com slash tic-tac-toe. That's T-I-C-T-A-C-T-O-E, all one word. 
And there is where you will find the printable, or you can even take a screenshot of the board game. And then you just cross off the three that you are completing. And then you can either tag me on social media to show your finished tic-tac-toe board, or you can email it to me. My email address is sierra at sierraharristeaching.com. Both ways are ways you can get that in front of me. That way I can put your name into the drawing board to see who wins. The great thing too is you have all month long. So this is not a thing where you have to rush, grab your board and you've got all month. I'll be reminding you all month, of course. And then you can complete your board, get your tic-tac-toe and then see if you are the winner. So again, you'll head to sierraharristeaching.com slash tic-tac-toe. I've also put the link in the show notes below. So good luck and have fun. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you as a guest inside the Literacy Lounge. Welcome. Sarah, I'm so excited to be here to talk all about read-alouds with you today. Absolutely. When I was planning out episodes and I knew I wanted to do one, of course, on the importance of read-alouds and you know how and why they should be used in the classroom, your name is at the top of the list. I just had to have you on the show and I'm so excited that you're here. So why don't you take a quick second and kind of introduce yourself and maybe share a bit about your background in education and your experience with read-alouds. Of course. I was an elementary school teacher for 10 years. I taught both second and fifth grade and read-alouds are definitely my favorite part of the day and also my students' favorite part. And they always made sure if we skipped a read-aloud for some reason that the next day we would have to make up for it by doing two. When I did leave the classroom, I still carried over my love for picture books and read-alouds to my own children. We read aloud multiple times a day, every single day, and we are always at our local library checking out new books or rechecking out books we've already taken out. But my kids love doing read alouds. I love being able to share with other teachers how powerful read alouds are and different ways that they can use picture books in their classroom. Absolutely. And if you are new to Sarah and her world, the colorful apple. She is just absolutely amazing. She knows everything about everything when it comes to picture books. She has a podcast, a YouTube channel, and a website where she shares everything about new picture books, picture books to use for this or for that. She even shares, I know, like when different um, publications have like awards for picture books. I mean, you name it, she shares about picture books on her platform. So she is absolutely the expert we had to have on the show. So I cannot wait to dive in to all of these amazing questions we've got for you today, Sarah. So let's start with just this. Why do you think read-alouds are important when it comes to elementary students and their education? I know that picture books are so powerful and they can be used in so many different ways. I love that picture books meet students where they are and helps them to understand concepts or even life skills in ways that they understand. I know a lot of times when we're teaching or even talking with our own children, sometimes things can come across as, I don't want to say lecturing, but I feel like Picture books are much more accessible for students when they are learning new things. I also think that, as I mentioned earlier, they can be used in 
any subject area. You can use picture books in math, in science. My favorite way to use them is for social emotional learning. And it helps students to connect with whatever you're teaching and build that background knowledge and build that engagement and that interest. And I think that by using read alouds, you are showing students that reading is fun and that it's entertaining and you can, it's almost relaxing. I felt like in my classroom, I felt like it was my most calmest part of the day where we could just kind of come together and enjoy a book for the sake of the book, for that entertainment, as well as learning so much from them. I love that. I absolutely agree on your point that there are so many different ways not only to use a read aloud, but there are so many different reasons why using read alouds in the classroom is important. It's vital. I think in my, I want to say it was episode number three of the podcast, I talk about how teachers are surrounded by thousands of the most impactful tool that they could use in their classrooms. And that is read alouds or what we're talking about in that episode is mentor text specifically, which those two terms are not technically interchangeable. A read aloud can be a mentor text, but it also cannot be. Um, so if you want more information about mentor texts in the classroom and how to use them, definitely check out episode number three. But like I said, I agree that there's just, it's such a powerful tool. It's a way to bring concepts to life. It's a way to relate concepts, maybe that are just not as easy to talk about, but, you know, what a better way to showcase that and put them in front of students than, you know, than a picture book. And there are picture books out there literally about anything and everything. And like I said at the beginning, that's one of the reasons why I love your platform, because if I want to know about picture books on how to talk and share about Hanukkah, Hanukkah is happening right now as we record this episode. You know, I know you've been sharing books about Hanukkah on your platform lately. I mean, and you even go as far as like sharing books about like, you know, it's Donut Day. Here are some fun books to share about National Donut Day or National Spaghetti Day or just some, you know, fun, unique holidays. There's literally a book for everything. And so not only are they a fun, powerful teaching tool, but I also think they're just a fun way to connect and build relationships with your students. So Sarah, in your experience, what impact have you seen read-alouds have on students' learning and their overall development? Read-alouds really help students make connections between what they're learning and I remember specifically, I was teaching in fifth grade, and we were learning about a specific subject in social studies. And the book that we were reading aloud, this happened to be a chapter book, but the read aloud that we were doing connected with what we were learning in social studies. I felt like my students got so much more out of it because they were they had that read aloud to go along with the topic. And they were having conversations with me and with each other, both around the book and what we were learning at that time. So I feel like read-alouds help them make those connections and really internalize the concepts that they're learning, whether it be in science or social studies or even reading or writing. And it allows them to try on the experience of others. So again, this is going back to that social-emotional learning topic 
when they're seeing their favorite character go through something challenging, seeing them do that first when they approach a similar problem in their own life, they can relate back to what that picture book talked about and it's easier for them. They know they're a little bit more comfortable with it. They know that their favorite character went through it too and how they approached it and they can use that in their own life. And it allows for conversations, not only about books, but around the books. Students are talking with each other. They're talking with the teacher. They're even going home and talking with their families about the book that they're reading or how it connects to what they're learning in school. So I think that read-alouds have such a huge impact on their learning, their development, and as they grow through elementary school. I could not agree more. I love the the connection you made. Uh, you know, when when we're in the classroom and we're in the thick of it and we're teaching, you know, science and social studies, and these things are just so abstract and they're they're unique and different topics. Like, you know. <laughs> Things like teaching about simple machines or teaching about war. You know, our students don't have everyday background knowledge when it comes to these concepts, but yet we can bring a picture book or a read aloud into this instruction and into our learning that helps bring these concepts to life through characters and through the plots and the situations that those characters go through. And I think that is just an absolute powerful way to use read-alouds in the classroom. It makes it so much more relatable for them, too. Another example was my son and I read together a book about Pearl Harbor. And then recently we visited Hawaii and we went to the Pearl Harbor Memorial. And he was so absorbed in it because he had learned so much about it from the book. And he's only seven. I think that if we had not read books about it together, or I had not read anything aloud to him, he would not have really understood or kind of known about it. But because we had used that read aloud, then he was able to really take it all in at a different level. Absolutely. You took the time to use that read aloud to build background knowledge with your child, which then helped them later in life connect more deeply to a situation that they were experiencing. And right now, with the science of reading being such you know, a buzz, um, we know that building schema and background knowledge is one of the, if not the most number one thing teachers need to be doing in the classroom. And the easiest way to do that is through read-alouds. If you can commit to reading aloud every day in your classroom, you're allowing your students to experience a variety of characters, a variety of cultures, different problems and solutions, different parts of the world. Like there's so much exposure that students can experience through read-alouds that you're almost, you're combating not just, you know, experiences, but you're actually building literacy knowledge through those experiences and through those picture books. So we talked, or you talked a lot about you know, we can use picture books to enhance like science and social studies, which I think is fantastic. Even math, I think, is a, a great, unique way to use picture books and also through social and emotional learning. But how do you see read alouds contributing specifically to the development of literacy skills in young learners? So, as you were just talking about, it increases that background knowledge. It really 
really builds their vocabulary as well. And they're using words, and I don't remember exactly what the statistic is, but how much larger the vocabulary is in a picture book than in a television show, an adult television show that people are going to watch. And it really builds that vocabulary for when they're reading on their own. When you as a teacher are reading aloud to your students, you're modeling that fluent reading, what it should look like, how they should be reading once they get back to their own independent book. Because by seeing that and hearing that consistently day after day, it really sinks in and they think, okay, this is what my reading is supposed to sound like. It might not sound like that yet, but that's where I'm going to be eventually. And using the read-alouds and the picture books, it allows them to access information that's above their reading level. They are able to get that information and learn new things and learn that vocabulary that's higher than what they're going to read on their independent reading level. And it really exposes them to a range of genres, especially those that they might not choose on their own. I know myself, I don't always read the most as my own reader, I'm not always a big, um, I don't read a lot of different genres on my own, <laughs> but by exposing our students to that, we are giving them the opportunity to see what different genres are out there. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I recommend for teachers to talk about genres at the beginning of the year and make sure your students understand that there are so many different genres because if you have a student who is maybe a more reluctant reader, it may just be because they haven't found the right genre. Maybe they have, don't have, they have no idea that science fiction exists. And science fiction is, is big nowadays. Like that is a big hook for kids. You know, fantasy, looking at even just how-to books. Like, you know, maybe you have a child who's just really, really good with their hands and they love science. So this how-to genre could really be a door that could open up for them. So I love the idea of using read aloud specifically at the beginning of the year and being very intentional about choosing what read alouds you're picking to read to ensure that broad exposure to a variety of genres. Sarah, you talked so much about so many different reasons and ways that read alouds help develop those literacy skills. Like you said, everything from building the background knowledge, I agree with, like we mentioned that, you know, talking about vocabulary, I agree with that as well. I wanted to add on the fact that read-alouds allow teachers not only the chance to model fluent reading, like you mentioned, but specifically the chance to model thinking. And all of the research that I have done in the past years, and like I mentioned before on the podcast, I'm currently going through classes to get my doctorate in literacy. And one of the biggest things that has stood out for me through some of the research that I have done is the fact that the number one thing teachers can do to enhance literacy is to model their thinking. They have to be able to share when they're reading out loud what is going on inside their brains. Because literacy, as we know it, is such a personal, private experience right? It's between the words on the page and the things that I think. And so for our students to know what to think and how to think when they read on their own, they have to hear that from us when we read out loud. Absolutely. Because I think students don't even realize that they're supposed to be thinking when they're reading. Like a lot of times we just 
focus on that fluency. Yep, you got all those words, but absolutely modeling what you're thinking and showing them what things they need to look out for is so important. Absolutely. And if we're not, I mean, it all goes back to being intentional. If we're not taking the time to carve out time for a read aloud, then the modeling is never going to happen. So just finding the time to ensure that you're reading aloud to your kids every day is step one. And then making sure that you're being intentional about modeling your thinking. You know, what questions came to your mind? What you know, what mistakes did you make and have to go back? Maybe you read too quickly and need to go back and reread. Maybe you made a connection. Maybe you have to stop and sound out a word. You know, we can model those perfections and imperfections for our students as well as model the thinking and just show them that, you know, this entire literacy experience, this is really what it looks and sounds like. So read alouds are really the key to that experience happening for our students. So let's get into some nitty gritty questions here. Are there any specific techniques or strategies, anything of that sort that you would recommend for teachers to really enhance literacy through these read aloud sessions that we're hoping that they are doing in their classroom? (laughs) So I think what you were just saying was sharing your thinking and having that discussion with your students while you're reading. And one thing I always encourage teachers to do is to put sticky notes in their picture book on the pages that you want to address certain things, discussions or questions you want to ask your students or where you want to model your thinking based on what you're teaching. I always recommend that you put on sticky notes on the right page because there were times that I definitely would read through an entire book and forget to do the actual teaching. So by putting those sticky notes there, just as a reminder, I think that's helpful in making sure that you address all of the things that you were hoping to in your lesson. Mm -hmm. And by modeling those strategies for students and pointing out when you're doing that and what you're doing, and then asking them to join you in that discussion, what asking them what they see on a certain page or in an illustration to really enhance their thinking as you go through the story. And I think that I'll talk more about this a little later on, but incorporating conversations between students, not just between you and one student, or incorporating movement into your read aloud to really get to all of your different learners in your classroom. I love that. And I love the idea. And I related so much when you said, you know, you you sped through and read a whole book and you never actually did any teaching. It's like, You were just so in the moment and enjoying the story with the students. I have absolutely been there too. And I love that idea of, you know, let's pre-plant our questions. Let's pre-plant our, maybe our vocabulary words. And more importantly, where we want to model, you know, our thinking. And I will kind of add to that a little bit. It is so important that before we are sharing these picture books, and really, I will say any text with our students that as the teacher, we have read it prior to the lesson. Yes, I always encourage teachers to read through the book first and think about where their natural stopping points are based on the purpose of the read aloud, setting that purpose ahead of time, then reading through it and thinking about, okay, where are my natural stopping points? because those are going to be important to address when you're reading aloud with your students. Yes, absolutely. 
thinking through, adding on to that, thinking through where and what types of thinking do my kids need to be doing or experiencing in order to understand and comprehend this text? Like, do they need to be making an inference right now? What kind of connection do they need to be making? Do they need to be determining some sort of importance in this specific area? Like, read ahead and put yourself in your students' shoes to know exactly where and what type of support you're going to need to guide them through that way, when you're in the in the midst of the read aloud, you're not having to do that type of thinking because you're now managing your students, right? You're all sitting with you. So you've got classroom management happening. You're actually reading the book. Like you want to do all that hard thinking ahead of time. And I, like I said, I love the idea of using the sticky notes. And man, if that's your book and you're not putting it like back on the student shelf, like you could keep those sticky notes inside the book for the next time you read it like next year. I don't know if any other, do you, did you ever do that? Do you have like your book that like kids yes, were not allowed to touch? special box. Right? <laughs> yep. I would have a copy I of it. I would have that at home. <laughs> do you really? Yep. That's too funny. Yeah, I would too. I would have like my own bookshelf that, you know, if there were, if there was a book on that bookshelf, there was a copy for students on their own. So it's not like I was gatekeeping, you know, specific books, but I would have a gatekeep of my own copy. Like it would be hardback. I would have my sticky notes in it. Like they were not allowed to use that version, but if they really wanted to read it again, there would be a version in their library that they could use. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing those techniques and strategies. So one of the things that I know, and I talked, like I said, a lot about this in episode three, when we talk about mentor text, because mentor text specifically, you're choosing those for a purpose. And so like being very, intentional and specific about which books you pick is really vital to that process. So when you're thinking about read-alouds, not necessarily mentor text, but read-alouds, what criteria do you think teachers should consider when they're selecting books for read-aloud sessions? I think even with the read-aloud that you should still consider your purpose for reading aloud. Are you trying to address a social-emotional learning concept? Are you using it in going to introduce something you're going to be teaching in science. I think that's really important. But it's also important to make sure that your books are diverse and that they are inclusive and making sure that your students are being represented. It's so powerful for a student to be able to see themselves in a book, whether it's their family or an activity that they enjoy doing that's going to really pull them in so much more and engage them than if they're not ever seeing themselves represented in the books that you're reading. And you can be choosing books that can be used in multiple different ways. And so I think it's important to reread your books and your students will always call you out and say, we already read that book. And I think addressing the fact that, yes, we have read it and now we're going to reread it and looking at it through a different lens. I think incorporating newer books as well as older books too. There's, And this is something I like to share with my teachers is the new, new books that are released every month because there are so many new ones coming out every month. It's hard to keep up with them. So I like to share different books that have come out and how you can use them in the classroom. So by incorporating those newer books as well as some old classics as well. 
I love that. Yeah, it's it's definitely important. And that's something I have a, a workshop that I do every summer with teachers. In that workshop, we talk about analyzing your classroom library and actually going in and taking inventory and tallying. Do I have books on different religions? Do I have books on different family structures? Do I have books, you know, that support the LGBTQ plus community? Do I have books that showcase different races? Like all of these things to ensure that your students, like you said, your students need to be seen. And then also in that inventory, getting rid of books, getting rid of old books that are just not Maybe they're not popular. If you haven't seen a student read it in the last two years, get rid of it. If you can easily replace it with something new, something more important, you know, a book that's going to fill a need for your classroom, then replace it. So hard to get rid of books. <laughs> it is. It's so hard to get rid of them, but you're right. It's so important because if your students have to weed through all of those older books or outdated books or books that don't have of correct information in them. And it's harder for them to get to those newer books. And so, yes, definitely going through your collection and pulling out the ones that are no longer being used or are no longer re relevant. Absolutely. And I, I actually love, this is something that I would do at the end of every year and I would include my kids in it. So like, you know, at the end of the year when like there's really nothing left to teach, you know, it's the last week of school, have your students go through your library and have each student pick three books. You have 20 kids, three books, like that's a lot of books, have them pick three. And then you, of course, are the final say, but they can then put them in a special stack. Say like, I don't like these books. I don't want to read these books. You can go through those. And heck, if you get rid of half of those, then that gave you so much more room to go and find new books to bring. And honestly, and I think you'll agree with me, I think authors nowadays are so much more aware of the need for picture books to have that inclusivity and that representation that honestly, I see that so much more. Like when I walk into Barnes and Noble and I look at the picture book section, all I see is books with, you know, kids with disabilities and books with characters from, you know, different countries and different languages. Like I think I'm so excited and happy to be a part of a world that is finally seeing the importance of that need for inclusive, wow, that is a hard word to say, inclusivity in our, for our students in our picture books. And so. It, like, Absolutely. And definitely shouting out to the illustrators too, because they're incorporating those in their images. And I know I had talked about making sure that all your students are being represented, but even going a step further and showing students that even if that doesn't represent what's in your classroom, that there's so much more out there that you can expose them to all of these different cultures because there are some students I know when I was teaching some of my students never left our little, I live in Rhode Island. We have a very small state and there were many of my students who never left our state and being able to expose them to cultures and things that were and lifestyles around the world. So huge and building that empathy makes a huge difference in the classroom and building your own classroom community. Absolutely. Absolutely does. I love that. So yeah, if if you're looking for something to do at the end of the year, go in your calendar. If you're listening right now, go in your calendar and write yourself a little note to do a classroom 
library cleanout slash audit to really help yourself ensure that you know your your library is a true reflection of your students, but then also what like like Sarah just said, what you really want your your students to be experiencing through picture books. I think I have a blog post on it. I'll have to dig it up for you. Maybe turn it into a YouTube video. Oh, <laughs> that would be fantastic. How they can weed through their library. That yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to spend that that end of year time. All right. So next question for you, Sarah. Um, how can teachers tailor read aloud sessions to help accommodate various learning styles in the classroom? I know from my own experience and from talking to teachers, like teachers struggle with like, you know, picture books can be lengthy. They can take 20 minutes to read through. How do you help your students get through those? How can you help, you know, engage students in those sessions? What can you do who have, you know, when you have students who just can't sit through a long, lengthy picture book, how do you help support those various learning styles? I always make sure, and when I'm sharing books with teachers, I always am aware to point out books that are longer. I'll say, this is a great book for this subject. However, it is a longer book. And there's different ways that you can approach this. You can break the book up over a series of days and not complete it all in one day, especially if you are short on time. You can take even sometimes it's okay to take chunks of the book out and just read that specific part of the book. I've talked about choosing books that you can use in multiple different ways. And so if you've already read the whole book with your class before, when you're using it again, you can use just that small piece that you need. But to accommodate a variety of learning styles, especially those students that have a harder time sitting, I know one of my own children, that's a harder thing for him. So One thing that I always started the school year out with is we would spend weeks on the expectations during a read aloud, and we would practice it over and over and over again so that students knew what was expected. Sometimes even practiced it for too long. I would say once you think they've got it, practice it a little bit longer. So that way it makes the rest of the year easier. We always revisit those expectations after a long break, like after the holiday break in December and January. But for those students who really struggle with sitting, providing them with a seat where you know that they will be successful, whether they need to sit in a chair at the back of your reading area when other students are sitting on the floor, deciding who they are going to sit next to. I always was very purposeful of having students sit next to specific students on the rug. So that way, not only were they successful when listening, but when they had that opportunity to turn and talk to each other, they were helping each other and could build off of each other. Different things that you can have them do depending on the child, providing them with a fidget, something that they can hold in their hands while you're reading aloud. Some students process information better when they are writing or doodling. And I know some people struggle with that, like, they're going to be drawing while I'm reading. They need to be paying attention. For some students, that is them paying attention. Like I said, I know my own child, he will pick up so much more when he's actually doing something with his hands than when he's just sitting there listening. He can't just listen. Encouraging discussion, both between you and the class or providing them that chance to turn and talk with each other to kind of give that them that mental break for a second, allow them to get their thoughts out 
because sometimes students will get that thought in their head and they just can't move past it. They can't continue to listen to the story because they have that thought. Giving them that opportunity to talk to somebody else gets it out of their head, gets them past that block. Giving them the opportunity to move some different engagement strategies are having students act something out, like show me with your face how the character is feeling. Give me a thumbs up if you agree with this or a thumbs down if you disagree. Those are just different ways that you can allow all students to be engaged and a part of the real out experience. I love that. And I think that's honestly like you, those are things that as you're planning out your read aloud that you need to be thinking about. So kind of goes back to the sticky notes. Like you could easily put a sticky note that says like, have students stand up or sit down if they agree or disagree or do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Put a sticky note where you want them to do, you know, a turn and talk or peer-to-peer discussion. Some of the questions that you ask, you know, maybe you want them to, you know, do some sort of movement to respond back to you. Or is this going to be, you know, a longer discussion? Like you can kind of map out and plan out those interactive pieces to ensure that your students are going to have a positive experience with the read aloud. The thing you don't want to happen is, and especially if you're reading those longer books, you don't want them to become bored. You don't want them to check out. So being intentional about planning out and knowing your students, knowing what they need as far as supports, knowing how long they can pay attention, all of those things are going to create a positive experience when you're reading out loud to them. And I think that intentionally choosing your books on things that your students are interested in is so important as well so that they don't check out so that they aren't bored. If you have a class full of students who love to draw, maybe a book about football isn't going to pull them in. So while you do want to expose them to different things, you also want to keep in mind the things that they enjoy and really getting to know them to, especially at the beginning of the year, um, to engage them and show them how fun reading can be. I love that. Yeah, it's very important. That's why those interest surveys at the beginning of the year are important to do and not just to do, but to actually look at and know and what are their answers and use them throughout the year. So. Yeah, I I think that is really important. So, Sarah, we know that read-alouds obviously are a very positive tool. It's a positive experience for both teachers and students, but there has to be some negatives. So, in your opinion, what challenges do teachers commonly face when they're implementing read-alouds, and then how can teachers overcome those challenges? One of the biggest ones that teachers come to me with is time. I feel like every year more stuff is added onto teachers' plates and it's so frustrating for them and for their students and how much they have to get accomplished throughout the day. And it's frustrating to hear how sometimes administration doesn't see a read aloud as an important part of the school day. So one way that I think you can get past this and work with this is by not setting a separate time necessarily for the read aloud, but by incorporating it into what you're already doing, incorporating read alouds into science, incorporating read alouds into your social studies. And I I think it's a great way to introduce the topic that you're teaching. So that's always a way that you can add that read aloud in is by putting it into the different subject areas, using a read aloud for 
social emotional learning during maybe your morning meeting if you have one. My favorite time to do a read aloud, and I would often, I would pick shorter ones. Again, going back to how we were talking about the longer books versus shorter ones, was right after my students came in for a recess. It was you. We used it as kind of a transition time where we would spend five minutes or so using a read aloud and just kind of decompressing from that activity and settling their bodies down and getting them ready to learn again. But that read aloud just calms their bodies and it gives them a chance to just listen and relax. So incorporating your read alouds into different areas, I always say it kind of saved me time. As I mentioned earlier, my fifth graders, when we were reading a book that connected to our social studies curriculum, they were so much more engaged and got learn. I felt like they learned so much more because there was that connection between the two. So it almost saved me time and things that I needed to teach. I didn't need to go back and reteach what we had already talked about because they had picked it up in those two different areas. Another one that students struggle with, and this goes back to our last question about accommodating various learning styles, but student engagement. Sometimes teachers will tell me, I have students shouting out, there's lots of interruptions, they're not sitting still. So that's where what we just talked about, knowing your students and getting books that they're interested in, providing them with those accommodations that they might need in order for them and the rest of the class to truly enjoy the read aloud and modeling that behavior, that expected behavior of the read aloud at the beginning of the year will save you so much time throughout the year. Another challenge that they face is they're not sure what books to use. And that's one thing that I try to help teachers with is providing different book lists for books that they can use for specific topics. And having that list printed out or saved on your computer and ready to go so that when you need a book for a specific topic in social studies, you can just go right to that list and grab one that you need. So having that available makes it easy and saves you time. So I think those are some of the biggest challenges that teachers come to me with. Yeah, I can relate. I mean, thinking of myself in the classroom, especially that last one, I was always like, man, I really need a book for this, or I don't have a book to you know, help explain this concept. So I love that that is something that you provide for the teachers you support are those lists. I think that would be a powerful tool to have, like just to have it printed and ready and know that like, okay, next week I'm teaching this. I really need a book for this. And here's my list. Boom, I have ideas. How much time did that save me on Pinterest and Google and trying to find things myself? So what a powerful tool that you're providing for teachers. That's amazing. So I love this conversation that we are having. And I really think that we could continue talking about picture books for hours and hours on end. Um, but we probably should wrap things up a bit. But I have one final question for you. I think we kind of addressed this a little bit when we talked about how, you know, how much more we're seeing of the diversity and inclusivity in our picture books, not only in the books, the, the stories, but also the illustrations. But in your opinion, what does the future hold for the role of read alouds in elementary education? Where do you see read alouds going? I'd like to say that we are on an uphill trend from what I've noticed. I know read-alouds were huge for a while in the classroom, and then those expectations of everything that needed to be taught really kind of took over. I think teachers are really seeing the power in the picture books 
and read alouds in general and bringing them back into their classroom. And I think with, and I always go back to that social emotional learning, but that has changed so much in the past few years. And picture books are an amazing tool, probably one of the best tools to use when addressing behaviors and those social skills that students are really struggling with these days. Think that teachers are using the picture books, using the read alouds more often. And that's really my goal is showing teachers all the different ways that they can use the books in their classroom and encourage them to use them as much as possible. I love that. So for those who are listening still, where can they learn more about how you serve teachers? Where can they connect with you? You know, do you have maybe a, a free resource that's out there that I could drop a link in the show notes for them? Where can they learn more from you? Um, to learn more about me, they can head over to thecolorfulapple.com. That's my website. And they'll find my links to my YouTube channel and my podcast there as well. I love to share books on both of those every week. I have different types of books that I'm sharing. And I'll give you a link to one of my picture book lists that teachers could use. Maybe I'll do since I've talked so much about social emotional learning. I will have you leave a link to my free social emotional learning book list that teachers can use. It has books for every day of the year plus some. That is amazing. Every day of the year? Really? Like the whole year you have like a list? Wow. Yep, and it's organized into the different sections of social emotional learning. So that way you can kind of group them together or pull from them when you need them. That is amazing. All right. So listeners, you heard it. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So make sure you scroll on down and click to grab that awesome freebie from Sarah and definitely head over to her website. Again, I'll put her the main website link in the show notes as well, but it's www.thecolorfulapple.com. And then from there, like she said, you can get to her YouTube channel, you can get to her podcast and then check out all of her blog articles as well. She is a wealth of information. You definitely want to be a part of her world. So make sure to follow along and check her out. So Sarah, this was fantastic. I really hope our listeners got a lot out. I got a lot out of our conversation. It makes me miss, like, I want to go back to the classroom and read to my students. Like, you know, definitely miss that part of it, having those those times, because man, does not only is it a powerful literacy tool, but it just really helps bring those connections and that classroom culture and all of it together in this wonderful, beautiful experience. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. I've very much enjoyed having you on the show and um, we will talk again soon. Thank you so much. This really was an awesome conversation. All right. Well, listeners, as we wrap up this inspiring episode, we really want to express our deepest gratitude to Sarah for sharing her passion for read-alouds and empowering educators everywhere. If you're ready to take your classroom to new literary heights, be sure to check out the Colorful Apples website. There you will find a true treasure trove of resources, insights, inspiration to fuel your journey into the world of picture books and literacy. There is no better expert out there. And I'm not just saying this because she is my friend. She is a true passionate educator. And this is what she does, man. Go check her out. I put all of her information in the show notes. 
And of course, if you enjoyed today's conversation as much as we did, don't forget to subscribe to the Literacy Lounge on your favorite podcast platform. Your support, of course, means the world to us. And it helps us continue to bring you valuable content and incredible guests like Sarah. Before you go, please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review. Your feedback not only brightens our day, but also helps other educators discover the magic of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this reading adventure, and I'll see you over in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Literacy Lounge with Sierra Harris. You can find any of the resources mentioned in the show notes at sierraharristeaching.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more support with close reading, download the free close reading guidebook at www.buildingcomprehension.com slash close dash reading dash guidebook. Until next time, happy reading.